This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. It's time for a plan and a strategy as Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio puts a financial management advisor in your corner. Alan Small of the Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth. Here is your guest host, Jane Brown. Well, the markets continue to be choppy due in part to the potential threat of U.S. tariffs on aluminum and steel. But what does this mean for you, the investor? Inflation rates and the economy all slowed toward the end of 2017. But will this cause inflation to rise and what impact will this have on interest rates? Alan Small, Senior Investment Advisor with Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth, joins me in studio to help you get the most out of your money. Alan, welcome back. It's always nice to have you. Thanks for having me. And let me give out the phone numbers so that you can get in line uh, to ask Alan any financial or investment questions. You may have retirement income questions that are on your mind. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Alan, you recently wrote a blog before the tariff threat came up called Wild Market Swings and Why We're Still Okay. Why We're Still Okay. Can you explain the thought process behind this. Yeah, so overall, I think we've been, uh, we've become accustomed to really very low volatility in the markets. And uh, that's not the norm. I think the last few years, the volatility index, so the index that they use to measure volatility has actually been below 10, which is the lowest I've ever seen in my career. So now, in my opinion, I think we're just getting back to where things are supposed to be, or a more normal environment, a more normal environment, seeing that volatility index in and around 15 to 20. And a lot of that is because of, as you mentioned, what's going on with respect to interest rates, with respect to inflation, and most recently, some political, uh, I guess, uh, information or political environment that's uh, that's uh, gone out in the last, uh, let's call it, week or so. So right. overall, all this has caused a little, more, a little more anxiety for investors, a little more volatility, but I think this is something investors should get used to, because I think this is here to stay for at least a little while yet. The most recent marker was just after 10 this morning when the Bank of Canada decided to keep its key lending rate at 1.25%, with the thought that there won't be any more interest rates until uh, interest rate increases until July. Would you agree with that? I think so. And I think that's a very wise decision. Obviously, there are a lot of uncertainties out there, NAFTA being the big one for us. Now, these steel and aluminum tariffs, which Right now, at least the president has not said that we are exempt. Obviously, he has mentioned that the negotiations with respect to NAFTA will dictate whether we're exempt or not. And right now, you know, depending on who you talk to, some days they're going well, some days they're not going so well. So I think a lot is uh, left to be seen. And so to raise interest rates in an uncertain environment as we have right now with our biggest trading partner, uh, you know, the uncertainty with our biggest trading partner, I think that would be a bit of a mistake. And so unfortunately for those that are traveling south over the, the March 
break, our dollar has been falling in sympathy of what's been going on. And so I think you could see our dollar fall a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go below 76 cents in the near term if this uncertainty continues. And how much uncertainty is there in reality? I mean, there would appear to be a lot of uncertainty based on what Donald Trump says from day to day. But in terms of what's actually happening and how uh, Canada is going to be affected by the NAFTA renegotiations and by these threats of of tariffs on steel and aluminum. And for the average person, what does it mean? How should we react or not react? I would say we shouldn't react as yet. As many uh, are quick to point out, nothing has been put into place as yet. This was an announcement the president has made, but sort of taken a wait-and-see approach uh, in many people's eyes in terms of, will he actually go through with it? Will he change it? Will he uh, maybe make an exemption for Mexico and, and Canada? Uh, will he you know, talk, continue to talk tough with the Europeans as well? So a lot of things, I think, are still not uh, ironed out. There's still no detail and the actual uh, passing of any bill with respect to any tariffs has not been made as yet. So I think if you're an investor listening and, and, and managing your money today, I think you stay the course. I think you continue to look for good quality investments, obviously uh, cheap, good quality investments. And if those investments pay you a good dividend, that's always a good recipe for success. And I think you shouldn't deviate from that because of the noise with respect to politics or anything else that you may be hearing. So this is what you would tell your clients right now. Absolutely. 416 740 toll free 1-866-740-4740. Your investment or financial or retirement income questions for Alan Small of Alan Small Financial Group with Hollisworth. Let's go to Bob in Toronto. Hi, Bob. You have a question for Alan? Yeah, I do. I'm about to inherit a sizable amount of money. And so I'm getting this big chunk of money all at once. And I really don't know what to do with it. And I deal with one of the banks for some of my investments. And I've got stock that I bought through my company. But I really don't trust dealing with my bank with this large amount of money. Well, that, well, that is a good question. And a lot of Zoomers in the 50, 60, 70 age range are coming into some inheritance from their parents and are facing similar situations as Bob. So what is the smartest thing to do? Well, well that's, you know, that's a, a, an unfortunate situation that, you know, you don't trust what, what you know, uh, what's going on at the bank. But I think that points to, to two things. Obviously, trust is a key factor. I think what you want to do is find someone that you can trust to advise you as to what you should be doing with your money. Someone that, that you believe has your best interests uh, first, and and, uh, and that is really the first thing I would consider. And second, I think what you should do with your money really depends on you. I, I think a lot of times I meet individuals that either inherit money, come into some sort of uh, pension plan, or or just or in general through their own savings. Uh, you know, you really need to figure out what is your goal for your savings. Is it to to retire on? Is it to buy a home? Is it to sail off into the sunset and buy a nice boat? You know, what is your what are your goals for your money? And once you can figure out what those goals are and we can actually put a number on you know on to obtain your goal what is that number that you need then we sort of work backwards see what you have today or what you will be inheriting and see what we need to take to get you to meet those goals and so it is a process you know a lot of people don't like to invest because they're nervous about it but investing is really just a numbers game we know where do you want to be in the future where are you today and what investments are going to going to take what what investments is it going to take for you to to put your money into to get you from where you are to that end goal. And I think that's how you got to focus on with respect to the inheritance that, you, that you'll, be, uh, you'll be receiving. So, Bob, if you were to go and see Alan and he were to ask you what kind of investor you are, whether you're conservative or mid-range or risky, where would you put yourself on that scale? 
Well, for this money, I mean, my real concern is I'm all right with my investments, whatever, but I've got this one chunk of money. What I've got, I've saved over time. You know, I've lost on some, but I've won on most of them. My fear is taking this one big chunk and going the wrong direction with it. And, you know, it's something I really like to have for my kids, but I'd hate to make a bad move. Yes, yes. Well, and I think, you know, you make a a good point. And I think, obviously, when you talk to investment uh, individuals, investment advisors, the word diversification comes to mind. Uh, You know, when you build a nice, diverse portfolio to to go in the direction that you want to go in with respect to this money, now you're saying you're getting this large lump sum of money. Well, you know, what would you like this money to do for you? Do you want it to provide an income? Is this money that you want to, to, to grow? over time or is it you know perhaps do both a little growth and a little income over time and once we can assess or figure out what you want this money to do for you then we go out and build you a nice diverse portfolio to reach and to provide for you the things that you want it to provide for so i don't know if it's so much you know worried about going in the wrong direction as it is trying to figure out what direction you actually want to go in okay bob okay thank you all right thank you for calling in let's go to margaret in thornhill hi margaret you have a question for alan small Margaret, sorry, let me... uh... Thank you, sir, for listening to me. I do need to talk to you on this. My brother has $150,000 in mutual funds, and he directed the bank to sell it. He's 84 years old. He's so scared that it's going down low and low. He's got a lot of blue chip. He gets an income of 750 every month. But he's panicking on it, and he just wants to dissolve it because he feels it's going to go low and low, and he'll lose all his money. What do you think he should do? Well, I think again, you know, at, at uh, you said he's eighty four. Was that was that correct? Yes, he's eighty four. He's an old man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, eighty four is young. Eighty four <laughs> is young. For a lot of people, eighty four yeah. is young. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Oh well, you know, the thing is, this he doesn't want his money to wither away. He wants his money to prosper, but not go down the way it's going down. And he instructed the bank to sell it, and they're not listening to him. Ah. Well, that's interesting. Well, I went down. He wants me to go down to the bank with him. I went down two days ago as a witness, and he was explaining, I, I know what mutual funds are all about. It's a long-term, um, it's a long-term agreement, more or less, but uh, he doesn't want to wait that long for it to go lower and lower. He wants to actually go higher and higher, but what would you decide if it was him? Well, first of all, I think overall the bank, uh, or whoever he has his mutual funds with, have to honor his request. So when exactly. he goes down there and requests to, to sell, exactly. uh, I think that has to be honored. That's first of all. Exactly. Now, what the person at the institution or bank or wherever he's going to who holds mm-hmm. his mutual funds, what I think they need to do is sit down with him and explain to him that if he were to sell out of all his investments, what would he do with that money? Is it money that's going to sit in a savings account at the bank? Is it going to be put in a shoebox and and, and buried in his backyard? Or, you know, what is he going to do with that money? Because overall, if you're just, if you're not investing today, you're not making anything. Interest rates are so low for savings accounts or even GICs or something that's more safe that you're barely keeping up with the rate of inflation. So, Overall, if you're not investing your money today, you're actually losing, let's say, roughly 2% on an annual basis. So I think what uh, this gentleman has to understand is people invest to, to move ahead, to, to, to provide an income or to provide growth. And if you're not investing, unfortunately, you're taking a bit of a step backwards because interest rates today just are not good enough to, to get by. Mm-hmm. Back in 1999, I remember selling one-year GICs over 6% when inflation was 3 So if you subtract inflation from the interest rate, you were still making 3% or above. Today, uh-huh. with interest, with inflation at 2% and GICs, 
these are high interest savings accounts, 2% or less, you can see you're really not going to be making a whole lot of money. So I think this gentleman has to understand that if he's not going to be investing in some ways into the market, he has to be willing to take a far less rate of return, and in some instances, perhaps a negative real rate of return if the inflation rate is above the interest rate that he'll be earning. Okay, Margaret? Uh, yeah, and uh, quickly, uh, yes. uh, he was thinking of putting it in um, a savings account, uh, 2%, whatever it is, I don't know. Uh, he'd be safer, and the bank guarantees you 100000 and what are you going to do with your 50000 after that? Right, uh, and so actually, he would be he would be safe, but again, he's not going to have much growth, because a 2% rate of return is just keeping up with the standard of living and inflation. So his assets or his money will not grow. It'll, it'll just scrape by. It'll be safe, but there will be no growth. Uh-huh. And that's what but a lot of people... Is he, is he looking for growth? Isn't he looking to make uh, sure his money is safe and not going down? Well, it, I think... Instead of going up? And that's a great question. And I think, that has to, I think the answer to that is it depends how much he has, right? So if he uh-huh. has enough that he does not need to invest, that he has yeah. enough money to last him for the rest of his life, yeah, then, then, uh-huh. then, then you know, a savings account could be the right way to go. However, if he wants to see at least a little bit of growth, then he will have to have some sort of investment with that money. I see. Another question, may I ask you quickly? Very quickly. Uh, We've got a lot of people who want to ask questions. Uh, uh, Just another one. Yes. Is our money going down low with the American market? Because I have to send some money to the States to my granddaughter, and it's 77 cents. Are we going to see it going lower than that, or is it going higher? I think in the short term, you... depend on this tariff. Yeah, I think in the short term, you could see uh, uh, our dollar fall. Again, it will depend on what comes out of the NAFTA talks, and like you said, what's going on out of Washington. And and how do you advise your uh, clients, Alan, based on their age? Because when you're in your 80s and you're starting to withdraw, or maybe you have been already for 10 or 15 years, uh, what? how do you tailor your advice for people who are older Zoomers, whereas people who are in midlife to still 10, 15, 20 years away from retirement? And that's a, and again, that's a, a fantastic question because a lot of people talk about that, and there are definite rules of thumb, and, and one of them is the older you get, the more fixed income or bonds, GICs, money out of the market you should have. So someone who is 60 should have, according to the rule of thumb, 60% of their money in bonds or GICs and 40% in the market. However, that doesn't always work. We've just come through a period of time where interest rates are so low that even for perhaps older Zoomers, they can't rely or live off of the 1%, 2% that they've been receiving over the past bunch of years. And so they've actually had to be almost forced to move into the stock market in some capacity to get a higher rate of return to pay their bills, to, to move forward in their life. And one other thing people, one other point people should, should consider is we're living longer. Someone who retires at age 60 or 65, they're living another 20 years or even greater. Uh, so this is, you know, this is money that if it's invested at that time, it'll probably be invested for the rest of your life. You will always have investments. A lot of people say, well, I don't have enough time to recover if the market were to fall. Well, I don't know if that's true. People are living a lot longer and you need to be mindful that, you know, 
you could be another 20, 25 years. So you definitely don't want to outlive your money. And with interest rates as low as they've been, that's definitely a concern for many. A friend of mine who uh, recently retired uh, at 65 said, I- I've got enough money to last me till I'm 88. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, he says, I have to figure out a plan because that's when the money runs out. Yeah, it's and, very possible that they may be here past 88. And, and looking for a part-time job, <laughs> possibly. All right, stay on the line. Uh, we'll get back to you in just a moment here. We have to take a quick break, but your calls for Alan Small are welcome, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. It's time for a plan and a strategy as Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio puts a financial management advisor in your corner. Alan Small of the Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth. Here is your guest host, Jane Brown. We have a lot of calls on the line for Alan Small. I'll give you the numbers and then we'll get to them. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. Who's been waiting longest? Uh, Let's go to Robin in Orangeville. Hi, Robin. Hi. Hi. What's your question for Alan Small? Uh, My question is, um, my husband has a pension that um, was a company pension. He still works. Um, now he has a pension that is a 31-year pension. He's, it's just sitting there, not collecting interest. It's just there when he retires. Does he move that pension out from where it's sitting, bring it to a financial organization, let them invest it, or does he leave it sitting for the next, whether it be five years or 10 years, whatever he decides when he wants to retire? Uh, well, I think obviously it, it would be up to him, but overall, I would be uh, one to to take it and invest it. Uh, I'm not sure where that money is sitting now. I'm sure it's probably earning some sort of return, albeit maybe a small one. But uh, was this a pension from a former employer? Yes, and it is not earning a, a single penny. Oh boy! It is sitting, waiting. If he wants it, it will not. It will not lose, and it will not gain. Right. And so, as I said, I don't know if you heard the previous caller, I think overall, if your money is just sitting there and not working for for you, I think that is is a mistake. I think what you want to do is have your money working for you as hard as he works to, to earn it. And so I think that if he has the option to invest it, to to perhaps transfer it to an investment advisor, I think that could be a very uh, a good move. I think even if he wants to be uh, on the low-risk side of things, there are investments Investments out there that can earn, you know, two, three percent, or maybe even as much as you know, four percent on a, a low risk basis. And uh, if he wants to get into more of a moderate or medium term uh, or medium risk, you know, you we could you know strive for maybe that six or seven to ten percent uh, range. But but overall, I think to to get this money working for him and have some flexibility and really control of of how things are, are working rather than just having someone else control it and sitting there, I think that would be a wise decision. Okay, because he's not, he, he doesn't like to take a risk at all. He's a zero risk taker. Right. And right now, where it's sitting, he's guaranteed, so whatever, he's guaranteed, say, $3,000 a month out of that retirement fund. If he takes it out and he starts losing money, this is where he's thinking it's not going to be safe and he won't have enough to last him, whether if it is, whatever, 30 years. He doesn't want to lose money. 
Right, but if he's not earning anything where it's sitting right now, and let's say he were to take that money out and invest into government or corporate bonds, let's say, something like a bond issued from the Royal Bank of Canada, which, unless the Royal Bank were to disappear or go under, which in, w- in which case we would probably have bigger problems, um, your, your husband would be guaranteed the interest plus the principal when that bond matures. I think that is a, a good possibility for him. And there are bonds like that, what we would consider investment-grade, low-risk bonds, bonds that are rated A, AA, uh, or government bonds even, that could pay uh, some sort of interest rate, obviously higher than the zero that you're getting now. So the bar is very low to beat what you're getting now, and I think it would be a a wise decision to even move and create a bond portfolio or even some GICs for him. Okay, Robin, I'm going to give out Alan Small's contact info at the end of the half hour. If you want to continue the conversation, I want to get to the rest of our callers here. Let's go to Kay in Markham. Kay, what's your question? Oh, hi. Um, I was just asking about a family trust. I'm a widow, and I have one adult child, and I have a very large portfolio. I also get a pension. I also have to start taking out my RSPs, and I'm paying a lot of taxes. And I don't know if family trust is the way to go. Uh, it can be. It can be. And I think, um, you know, there are a lot of options that you have. Obviously, uh, you know, if you are uh, paying a high tax rate, um, you know, do you, are you, I forget, did you say, are you currently employed or? No, no, I retired. You're retired right mm-hmm. now. And you're just drawing from your, your investments I'm, at this no, point. No, no, I'm not drawing anything. I'm just using my pension. Just using your pension. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you are obviously not uh, 71 uh, years of age as yet? Yes, I'm, I'm going to turn 71, so I have to take out my RSPs. So you have to start taking out your RSPs. Yes. So your income is going to be a lot higher. So yes. that's something, I, yeah, I think there is a conversation that should be had. Uh, I think there are some individuals, investment advisor, accountants, even a lawyer perhaps, to, to come together and set up the best way to structure your estate. Because obviously you have, uh, as you said, a lot of money there to leave to beneficiaries. And uh, I think uh, those three professionals should come together and possibly set up a meeting with them to structure something so that you can have your estate set up in such a way where you pay the least amount of tax and also leave the the most you can to your beneficiaries. Okay. I only have one, so... All right. Thanks for calling, Kay. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. Let's go to Stan in Newmarket. Uh, Stan, you have a question for Alan? Yes. I'd like to go back to that 86-year young man who uh, was bailing out of his uh, mutual funds Okay. the bank wouldn't allow it. I think uh, I was in a similar situation, but then... They did allow it, but the penalties were so high that they wiped out whatever I had made in the previous three years. Yeah, so again, it depends on how your mutual funds are structured or or what type of mutual funds you're buying. There are different loads uh, to mutual funds, whether it's a front load, a back load, a low load. You could buy mutual funds in many different ways. So it's very important to understand what type of mutual fund or how you've purchased that mutual fund in the past. Do you have to hold on to it for a period of six to seven years, or is it something that you could get rid of uh, at any time? So definitely fee structure and fees will play a big part as to what you can do with those mutual funds. Sometimes if the fees to sell them are high, perhaps you can switch to a different fund that's part of the same fund family and not pay any fees, but still lessen the risk. So overall, I think it just depends on the type of mutual funds you own and and how you've purchased them in the past. Very good. That's, that explains it. Thank you very much. Thank right. you for calling, Stan. Uh, we have time for Rita in Woodbridge. Hi, Rita. Go ahead. Hi. My question is partly being answered. It's uh, regarding RSV uh, turning into a RIF. 
again, uh, I, I don't need the money right now, but what do I do with this monthly amount that I have to take our RSP, that, that it's in a RIF now, and where's the best way to put it in? I don't want to pay advisor's fee, and I don't want to pay taxes by investing somewhere, whatever I make, I'll end up paying either investment fee or income tax. So is there a, a way that it's not getting a lot, but basically get some income out of it? Yeah, so I think in your case, have you have you considered opening up a tax-free savings account? Well, yes, I have that too already. And is that, is that have you yeah, maxed out no, on that? that, that is, it's now this extra income that it's been sitting there and, and doing, was invested and all that, but now it's turned into a RIF. The monthly income that I'm getting on top of what I already have, which I, I can use this to invest again, but I don't want to invest it and pay advisor's fee and income tax on top of the rest of what I get as an income. Okay, Rita, we're basically out of time. Alan, your best advice quickly, and then I'll give out your information. Yeah, so I would say, uh, you know, if you have room in the tax-free savings account, you could invest that money that you're pulling out there. If not, unfortunately, if you invest outside of a RIF and the tax-free savings account, there will be some taxes paid, but it won't be income tax. If you can invest in certain things, it might be capital gains or dividend income, which is taxed at a lesser rate. All right, here, if you'd like to get in touch with Alan, here is his email address. Alan, two L's, Alan at alansmall.com, Alan at alansmall.com, or you can go to his website, alansmall.com, uh, or give his office a ring, 416-332-3863, 416-332-3863. Thanks, Alan. Thank you for having me. Very informative. Jane, for Libby, she returns tomorrow. It's been a blast. I've enjoyed it, uh, large part, and due to my producer, Michelle Saunders, technical producer, Miran Trogolich. Thank you to both of you. And we get back to the music after... You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.